Warning. This show may contain blunders, tangents, and inaccuracies. We try, but words are hard. Spoilers are inevitable. You've been warned. Lastly, the following is the opinion of two middle-aged media junkies. Try not to get butthurt if we say something you don't like. <clears throat> Viewer discretion is advised. I did a lot of research for this movie. I hate that you made me watch a movie that made me so angry I needed to do research. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sequel Centric. We take a look at follow-ups in media and see how they stack up against their predecessors. I'm Duff, and he is the Ralph to my Randy. Nate. How's it going, Duff? Dude. Getting uh, getting chilly. It's cold. Yeah. It's 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 the perfect you, as time. You can see in the background. It's Christmas time. <laughs> My favorite time. It's Christmas time is here. And that's why I don't sing. Yeah. Now that's uh, usually why I don't sing either, because it just doesn't sound good. <clears throat> I've been I've been banned from karaoke from my wife. We went one time. She's like, never ever again. Yeah, that's why you get to go without her now. <laughs> Today we are taking a look at A Christmas Story 2. Not A Christmas Story. Uh, not A Summer Story, which is the more official sequel to A Christmas Story. Nate, well, why did you make me watch this? Well, <laughs> there's a very good reason. Well, that's kind of why I asked. And I really do will, want to know. And, and the secret will be revealed at the end of the show when we <laughs> rate it. Because I got to say, that's an hour and 25 minutes. I will never get back. That is well, correct. That is about but, an hour that I will never get back. Uh, well, is this the first and only time you've watched it? Uh, it's the first and only time I fought the urge to hit stop about five minutes in. Oh, good call. No, I've I watched this twice. I watched it uh, with my wife Sandy loss. when it came out back in the day. Yeah. And um, it, and I just thought it was an interesting, interesting little Christmas tidbit that should be shared by all or warning people, whatever you want to look at it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Definitely, I felt it was something that needed to be discussed for better or for worse. Yeah. So in the plot of A Christmas Story 2, uh, it takes place five years after, uh, and uh, Ralphie has his eyes fixed on a car. Uh, but the trouble is sure to follow. So, okay. Uh, as, as far as plots go, it's a believable plot if we're not going to take into account a summer story, which is another episode. I. I don't know. I, I think the characters are really unbelievable from the die job on Ralphie's head to just everything else. Like, I just have a lot of issues with the movie. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I, I believe A Summer Story is a, a much worthier sequel because you got Gene Shepard, who's doing the narration like in A Christmas Story, right? Well, he wrote and, the book. And it, and it just... Even the teachers and that one, just there's a lot more. It felt a uh, summer stories felt more believable, and it just it just it, it had for me. It, even though you had uh, different actors playing Ralphie, mom, dad, 
and some other stuff, it, it just felt, I felt more connected. This, A Christmas Story 2, after watching it the first time and definitely after watching it before the show, it, it's a total cash grab for MGM. Yeah. And they were trying to re- recapture the magic. And I think it's, it's, it's got no soul and it's got no Christmas magic, in my opinion. No, the Christmas spirit just isn't there. So on that note, let's talk about the pros and the cons. This is probably one of those rare times where I would probably have more cons than pros. Um, It just, they're trying to, I think they were just trying to duplicate the exact same thing, except for instead of a BB gun, you got a car, which is believable because... When you're 15 going on 16, most teenagers want a car, especially boys back in, was it the 40s? Uh, yeah, it was 1946. Okay, so, I mean, totally believable. Um, you know, he's got an eye on a girl and this and that, whatever. If if this had a different title to it, I'd be okay with it. It'd be a, like a middle-of-the-road Christmas story. But because they slapped a Christmas story 2 on it, Mm-hmm. It just does not work for me. If you're going to make a movie based on Gene Shepard's work, it's got to hold up. And because it was attached to Gene Shepard's work, it fell short. If this wasn't trying so freaking hard to be what it wasn't, it would have been a better movie. But because the script was written around the fact that, hey, let's get some money. It, no good could come from this. I mean, that's, that's the tricky thing, you know, about sequels, right? Especially, you know, the first one was 1983, and this is 2016. Uh, the second one, A Summer Story, was, you know, 1994. 2012. 2012, sorry, yeah, 2012. You know, and um, sometimes when you have so much time that, when you have that much of a gap, when you're trying to do a sequel, like the original Mary Poppins, the return of Mary Poppins, sometimes uh, the iron is cold and it, it doesn't strike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the fun for me started, and I am being sarcastic, the fun for me started about two <laughs> minutes in where Randy says, Careful with those. Zerg's minions are everywhere. You just can't trust that son of a bitch. Excuse me? Keep it up, young man, and you're going to bite the bar. What, what, kid, what kid in 1946 says these kind of things? This is well, from your father is cursing at the furnace down below. Yeah, and, and, and that, that's another thing. It's seven years after the events of the original movie. You can't tell me that that plot line still holds up of having a shitty furnace. Son of a bitch! Fucking galley what wreck of possum beverage! Gotcha, you bugger! Huzzah! Well, if the father's a piker, a.k.a. a cheapskate, then it's, it, that's believable. I mean, my grandparents grew you know, went through the depression, right? So it's believable. You know, it's like, keep fixing it until you can't fix it anymore. I mean, so. Yeah, and then buy a used one. Yeah, but for me, that was, that part of the point was believable with the furnace. He kept working, kept working. And when he wanted to, you know, when he had to, absolutely had to get a new one by used. You know, yeah, I guess I guess that does make sense once you turn it in, once you put it into perspective with the yeah. uh, depression. I, uh, I I didn't think about that part because again, it does not come across as a traditional 1946 movie. Well, true. Um, I mean, you know, I know I, I know I'm a little bit older than you, so you know, I dude, stop so, stop saying it's nine years, man. It's nine years. I'm just. My wife is nine years older than me. 
I'm just saying I've heard the stories about the Great Depression and stuff. So that part of the of the plot, you know, is believable. But they they were trying to duplicate so many things. Yeah. The furnace, they even put Ralphie they, in a ridiculous suit. This time it was uh, a reindeer. Uh, Aunt Claire makes an appearance but gives Brandy the Cracker Jack sailor outfit. I mean, that's hilarious, <laughs> that you was, know. Well, let's talk about the, the last 20 minutes at the end of the episode because for, for to be completely honest with you, I really don't feel that the rest of the movie was worth its weight, but the last 20 minutes did redeem it somewhat. So, one hour of hell and 20 minutes of goodness. Pretty much. I mean, you you had the plot line fall into effect about 18 minutes in with the convertible top, reindeer falling through it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that... I guess that stands up as a plot line of some sort, but it's really, really weak. Yeah, well, I mean, they were just... You got so many stories going on, like in the first one and the second one, and I just... D Daniel Stern was just... I think he was just... He was tr trying too hard to channel Darren McGavin from the first movie. I think Charles Gordon did a much better job in his summer story. Even uh, Mary Steenberg... Did a oh, much Ste better Steinberg job. Steinberg did such a great job. Yeah, as, as playing the mom, you know. I just, it, it just, it misses so much. There's a few funny parts in it. There, um, yeah, there was. It's not, it's not without comedy at all. Yeah, yeah. And there's some alternate, like, flashbacks and stuff. But I just, like I said earlier, if it was a Christmas movie that had any other name with it, it'd be an okay movie right down the middle. Nothing special, nothing sucky. But because they attached the name to it, that's the problem I have with this movie because it tries too hard. And I think a summer story, because even it, it, the second one ha is based off of Gene Shepard's work, and he's even doing the narration like in I the know. first one. For me, that that's the connection with the first movie so much because that my old man and he's the the one of the fierce firefighters in all of Indiana. It just, his voice is just so calm and relaxing. And I can understand why TNT and Turner Network do the 24-hour play, you know, every holiday season. And because of that, I have so much more connection, even though you have different actors playing the characters. But I, I don't think they're trying as hard. I think Charles Gordon puts his own spin on the old man. And Daniel Stern is just, I mean, he's doing his best, right? He, he's doing his best, but he's really fallen short. I mean, but I, I like him better as a wet bandit myself. That's exactly <laughs> what I was about to say. That's exactly Another Christmas what I was about movie. to say. He's so much Lost better in New York. as a wet bandit. Yes. <laughs> All the great ones leave their mark. We're the wet bandits. <laughs> now, one thing you, you one thing you mentioned about the the uh, the narrator in the original movie, Gene Shepard did such a fantastic job with the voiceover. I'm a voiceover guy. I know these yeah, yeah. things. Uh, now, Nat Malden, who did the screenplay for the twenty the 2012 movie, uh, actually did the voiceover and yeah. and. As much as I want to give this movie a bunch of shit, I will say Nat's voice is somewhat reminiscent to Gene's. There it is. Our house on good old Cleveland Street. 
A few winters had passed, and yet another one had come screaming over Lake Michigan in the middle I of the night. I think he did a it really good years. job trying to recapture the magic of the voiceover. But I was just so frustrated by everything else. One Pro, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about One Pro. Uh, now, now that we've mentioned a single Pro, let's talk about how bad Ralphie's dye job is. Uh, 1946, it, you know, he's a blonde in the first movie. Yeah. I think that they, I think that I can't remember the name of the actor who played Ralphie, but I think he's not a blonde, and it just he, he yeah. might as well be wearing a wig, in my opinion. I, they were just trying too damn hard. I mean, they even had Chop Suey Palace in there too. I, now it, it's like things like things like hair color are stupid important. Like for example, Johnny Malecki coming in with the second uh, National Lampoon's uh, yeah. sequel. It, at least get a freaking ginger. Well, I'm okay with that. I mean, granted, you know, the first two vacation movies, you had redheads playing Rusty. Yeah. And it, I mean, it, come on, it, his nickname is Rusty. I understand. And it, it, here's the thing. I even though uh Kieran Culkin that plays Ralphie in a summer story doesn't have blonde hair, it's okay. It didn't it it didn't take me out of it. I mean, it kind of took me out of the Ralphie character because of the dye job Yeah, on, on the actor. Yeah, you just can't have blonde-ass hair yeah. that's plat. You know, you, you can't have blonde hair out of a bottle without taking care of the rest of your head. You can't have, like, really dark eyebrows and blonde hair and have it look good. I don't know why people continue to do that in media. It just doesn't work. You're not going to be sold as anything more than someone with a bottle in their head. Like I said, this this movie was trying too damn hard to to channel to recapture uh, the magic. It's sort of like you know, a lot of people say that you know the, the 2016 Ghostbusters was trying to recapture the 1984 Ghostbusters, and that's why it fell flat on its head. Yeah, I but think, that's another. Episode. I think the 2016 Ghostbusters does does a. I believe a better job than a Christmas story too. That's just my opinion. Okay. Well, I haven't watched that one yet because <laughs> I have an issue with reboots that are cash grab centric. One day, but not two day. Nope. Not tomorrow either. <laughs> Touche, my friend. <laughs> so I had my single pro. What about you, Nate? Well, um, like you said, the, the, the big pro for this is the last 20 minutes of the movie. You know, Rafi's got his jar of money. He's going down there to you know, pay for the roof. But he saw the kid in the alley that just wanted a tire, right? And you know, even though the Santa Claus gave him a little bit of crap for it. Yeah. But he didn't know the kid's condition. And, 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 and Rafi you know, decided, like, I'm going to take this family to dinner at Chop Suey Palace. That's how they wedged that in there from the yeah. first movie. And then um, Pot is uh, old man, the leg lamp. My God, it's risen from the grave. Isn't it beautiful? Which I, I like, but I still think they shoot hoarded in. That was the only callback that really felt organic in the movie. So, uh, and then he, he paid it up and, and the guy let him go, right? Because he knew that his dad bought him the car. The guy was trying to, you know, the the, the the sales guy was trying to double dip there, you know, get a little bit of extra money. 
Oh, of course. But, but yeah, it, it, towards the last 20 minutes, it, it, it is, it, it, it does capture that Christmas feel of, you know, giving to your fellow man, you know? Oh, yeah. Do something yeah. nice. Yeah. Hey, Nate, let's talk turkey. You got it. All right. So the average weight of a turkey in 1967 uh, was 18 pounds. It was 18.6 pounds. Uh, I did a lot of research for this movie. I hate that you made me watch a movie that made me so angry I needed to do research. That's not how I like doing research. And I did nothing at all. <laughs> You Who's bastard. the turkey now, Doug? You bastard. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> All right, so uh, I like fish just like the next guy, but I'm not going to eat fish on Christmas. Uh, Christmas turkey, Christmas ham, you know, those are the traditional things that I like to throw in my gullet around the holidays. Uh, the average weight of a turkey was a little over 18 pounds in 1967. So at 40 cents a pound, that's, uh, you know, for for going backwards to 46, that's actually uh, right around what the prices were. I, I did go look at flyers for, like, uh, really old newspapers. Like, yeah. thanks for the Chicago Tribune. They really had a really nice archive. So, yeah, that's about on par. But, like, yeah, like that, that's $7 and change. Now, in today's money, that's about 90 bucks, which is insane in and of itself. But is $0.07 cents a pound times 18 really going to make a break? Like, I just, I, I, I didn't feel that the ice fishing really came into its own as an organic subplot until... Uh, the last 20 minutes in the movie where, you know, Mama came out to be with Dad and see if they can get some ice fishing. And, yeah, that was uh, you know, they had, moment. Yeah, like that was the first point in the movie that really made me go, oh, okay, so there is a point to this. It just took an hour and 10 minutes to get to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, the, the whole turkey scene when they go to go get it. We can go now, dear. Oh, but, but that's ours. No, that was ours. Now that's somebody else's. We're not paying for that. But you love turkey. You dream about turkey. 40 cents a pound? In my opinion, just betrays the whole essence of the old man in the first movie loving turkey. If yeah. he loves turkey so much, that might, in my opinion, I figured, I think it's pretty much established in the first movie that he's a bit of a cheapskate or a oh, hiker. Yeah. Uh, but I think that was the one thing that he was willing to um, go for. Because it, it, overall... Like Rafi said in the first movie, no turkey, no turkey sandwiches, no turkey salad, no turkey gravy, turkey hash, turkey a la king, or gallons of turkey soup. Gone. All gone. <laughs> Goulash, turkey, tamales, turkey, turkey, everything, you know, turkey hash. So, <laughs> I mean, but this, with him, they just overdid it, I think. Yeah. It's important with sequels that you make it believable. And so, in my opinion, that 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 whole turkey scene just, in my opinion, just portrayed the whole spirit of the old man loving loving turkey. Because I think that would be the one the one time out of the whole year he was he was he would loosen up his belt a little bit, no pun intended, to uh, throw out a couple of shekels uh, for the turkey. We've already uh, put the cart before the horse a little bit, but let's talk about whether the movie sequels or not. Uh, my personal opinion, it does not sequel. Like I've said a couple of times already, if it was another Christmas movie with a different name, it'd be okay. 
Yeah. Um, but because they slapped a Christmas story two label on it, it just it's it's got no soul, it's got no magic, and it just it it just it does not do it for me. For me, it does not sequel. No, for me neither. Uh, it just we keep on going back and 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 going over these little subplot routines that just makes no sense. Like for example, Ralphie and his two buddies get a job at Higby's department store. Uh, well, that's fine. You go in, you know, to a department store in the 40s. I'm sure you go in, you take group interviews, you get hired. No one in their right mind is going to put, you know, three newbies at on at a wrapping station. Oh, yeah, that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's poor management decision. Did she just leave us? She left us. And they only made it plausible once. The crowd came in. Yeah, just with Ralphie and the three uh, and his two buddies. To me, it was sort of like watching the Three Stooges a little bit. Yeah, yeah it's it's like watching a, Mar a Mary Medley's episode. If you see an anvil sitting in the scenery, you know they're going to use it. Yeah, that's why it was drawn in. And I, I, yeah. Uh, and and one other thing that just kind of irked me a little bit uh, is if you're going to make a historic movie, it's unfortunately got to be historically accurate, in in my opinion. And you're you're coming out with a movie in, that takes place in 1946, and about a half hour into the movie, uh, in Higby's, you see a uh, an African American woman, really nice clothes, walking up the escalator. And, you know, hey, would you like to try our perfume? You know, like that that just doesn't make sense in 1946. Segregation didn't end until 1964. And this was in an area of Indiana, which was known for its super segregated schools of the, in that time. So, like, just that in and of itself just took me out of the magic. It's not that I'm racist, because I'm not. I'm one for the details. I'm a movie nut. I love all the magic that goes into it. But when you have something that's glaringly obvious is inaccurate, it just throws my uh, bullshit detector off. Well, I think they were, uh, I mean, I agree with you. There's a little, a little eye twitch going on there, but I think what they're trying the movie makers were trying to do is put a little diversity in there. Of course. And that's why, you know, it's a 2012 movie. I mean, here's the thing. We're not, we're not like doing a save a private Ryan type of movie where you got to be really accurate or something. This is kind of loosey goosey. You know, well, yeah, but the details matter. My opinion, I could be completely wrong, but that's just my take on it. It's the PC and cancel culture era. And and that's what, unfortunately, we're dealing with in current events. Uh, it, but you're taking a movie that sequels from a 1983 piece and takes place in 46. It just it, it's all about the details. And, you know, I've got the the German clockmaker in my head, just like you do, Nate. <laughs> So, you know, it's all about the details. Sometimes man. you got to tell that German washmaker to shut up. Yeah. You just scream, nine! <laughs> uh, and I'm, can we get any more cranky Santas? Like, there's a whole franchise on bad Santas. We don't need to see the same Santa from the other one. It's just, it's stereotypical. It, it, it When you straight up rip off formulas like that, it just doesn't oh, yeah. make, make for Especially a good movie, how in my he's opinion. complaining about his wife right in front of all the kids. It's like, come on. Yeah. That was a little much. I, I agree with you. 
So Nate, let's let's wrap this up because I'm, um, you know, I had to watch the movie. And that was an hour and twenty five minutes. An hour and five. I'll never. Get well, lucky back. for you, this episode's only twenty minutes. So, <laughs> how would you rate this movie, Duff? <laughs> well, Nate, it's an hour and five minutes. I'll never get back. Uh, I could have watched a YouTube video that was twenty minutes long and been happy with it. Uh, I'm gonna say. Uh, I, I I don't even want to give it this because it's just it's such a bad movie. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have to say uh, I'm gonna have to say ditch it on this one, man. Well, Duff, as one of the show's front runners, I would have to say that none of our categories actually fits this. Especially ditch it. I think we have to come up with a new category and burn it. I think I got just the thing for you. So few things went well for this movie. I, I uh, don't, don't just watch this episode and save yourself an hour and twenty five minutes minus uh, about a half an hour for this episode. Uh, I, I I don't know, man. Uh, there's plenty of great Christmas franchises out there. Let's let's work on getting some better ones in the docket for the future. But uh, yeah, this this one's definitely a no go for me. Burn the hell out of it. I would tell anybody, if you want to watch, uh, if you like the Ralphie character and, and old man and everything, story. go watch My Summer Story or the other name of his, It Runs in the Family. Is that it, Duff? It Runs in the Family? Uh, I believe I would tell anybody, so, yeah. I would tell anybody, watch that movie. It was way better, and it has a little bit more of the soul and the magic of the first one. Uh, it's got story. Kieran Culkin in it. Kieran yeah, Culkin it, is Macaulay's Yeah, brother. yeah, it's got the, it's got, yeah, Kieran Culkin and Christian Culkin. Wow. I would say Christian Culkin actually looks more like Randy. Yeah, he does. Uh, but, yeah, no. Yeah. That's a Summer Story, take. or My Summer Story, uh, it was also written by Gene Shepard. It's, yeah. it's more a direct sequel uh, in spirit and, well, in just technical Everywhere. details. Uh, it runs in the family. You can check it out on, uh, on, on, uh, streaming platforms or just go buy that one because it's a lot better we'll talk about that on another episode well i think that's it for today duff you want to roll us out yeah i think we've completed our task for this movie any thoughts before we get out of here i think we saved a lot of people a lot of time watching this shit all of a movie yeah i think i'm in the same boat as you and that's why we're just gonna end it i'm duff i'm nathan and until next time ask yourself this question does, Does it, it sequel? Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for the latest episodes. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at SequelCentric for the latest updates. And consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Want more? There's lots of exclusive content on our Centrics page at patreon.com forward slash SequelCentric. Sequel-Centric is hosted by Nathan Blake and Patrick Duffy. Sequel-Centric is produced by Patrick Duffy.